When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, author, founder, and CEO of Beyond EI, Michelle Neverez. Hey, what you drink? Okay, I know what you're thinking. There is no way that we can get better than the conversations that you've already heard, but I am going to challenge that with this conversation. You guys have heard me with all of my friends, and I've talked to so many amazing executive coaches who are all steeped in emotional intelligence. And it's, it's actually become annoying how much I talk about emotional intelligence. Well, tonight I'm going to be talking with the lady who coordinated and really kind of led all of the emotional training, emotional intelligence training that all of these coaches have been talking from, none other than Miss Michelle Navarez the CEO and founder of Beyond EI. Michelle, I am so excited to have you on Whiskey Jazz and Leadership. Come on in the room. Thank you so much, Galen, for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, you know, this is this has been this has been a no-brainer for a long time. I am so glad that you agreed to do this because I have talked with in season one, I talked with Dr. Peter James who is one of your first cohort executive coaches and meta coaches. I've talked with Shana Hammond, who is one of your faculty for, uh, I don't know, 150 years. In season two, we talked with Don Angelo Bivens. We talked with Carol Elzen Carbonez. And we talked with Rada Yavovich. All of us were students of yours. So we are all we are all apostles of this work that you have poured yourself into. I'm just so excited to have you on this podcast. So I've got a lot of questions that my audience is dying for me to get into, but there's one question that they know is coming. Oh my gosh, I'm going to give them a second to gather themselves because they like to ask this question with me. On the count of three, let's do it. One, two, three. So what you drinking? Well, Galen, I'm drinking something that is called Monkey Shoulder, and it is a blended malt scotch whiskey for the occasion. All right, that will work. That is fantastic. You know, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a standard go-to. That's like a good foundational scotch whiskey 
that I would encourage everyone to check into. So for this occasion, I decided to go to something that has long been foundational to my journey in whiskey. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the middle of season one, I shared this list that I got when I was in California from a bartender who said that uh, these are the five whiskeys that I need to taste sometime before I die. One of them happened to be Ridgemont 1792. And so that's just foundational. That's what I'm going to jump into today because this is a foundational conversation, right? This is this is at the cornerstone of what my clients hear from me almost every conversation. So I'm going to crack this open. Love it. And uh, I haven't gone into this a lot recently. <laughs> And uh, I am going to enjoy this 1792. This is the foolproof 1792, which is like really, really important to note that it's the foolproof because this is an important conversation. And so as I enjoy this, uh, Michelle, I would be so honored if you were to share with the audience just a little bit about your journey and how you have come to be such a giant in the emotional intelligence space and uh, you know, someone who's left such a huge fingerprint on so many executive coaches who I get to call friends. Goodness, well, um, I am one of these people who likes to acknowledge all of those who came before us and whose shoulders we stand on, so to say. And so I can say from my side, I wouldn't have gotten to where I'm at or even have been inspired to take a step on this path if it weren't for some pretty important people in my life. And one of those people is my teacher. Um, I happen to practice Tibetan Buddhism. I met my teacher in India when I was 20 years old, and his name is Chokinima Rinpoche. And he's been my teacher ever since. And I have to say that it forms the basis of why I do what I do and who I am today. And simply put, it's to benefit beings. Everything I do has that intention, as well as transforming myself to be better as a human being. So that's simply put, the, the basis of my inspiration for this work. Oh, fantastic. And when, when I met you, I've talked about this journey a couple of times. I got a call from my longtime friend and accountability partner, uh, Dr. Peter James. And he said, you know, hey, Galen, I've just come out of this program. I think you get a lot out of it. And the way he sized it up is he said, you know, Galen, you, you, you come in, you learn this content, you know, it's it's emotional intelligence. Daniel Goleman, a towering name that's that's part of emotional intelligence is involved, and you're going to teach other executive coaches how to use emotional intelligence in their practice. That's what he said, and I signed up for that. And I said, sure, I would love to. Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. And I go, and I understand that this is, you know, a pretty extensive program. And I say, sign me up. And then we spent the first half of this extensive program with me focused on me. Hey, wait 
a second. I was I was coming to focus on others, and we spent the first half, maybe even more, with me focused on me. And oh my gosh, did I learn so much from that process. I would love for you to talk a little bit about just this program, this program that you've that you've created. And like I said, you know, I, I'm the one with the microphone right now, but we could probably find a dozen, if not maybe even hundreds of people who have been through the program who would say something very similar, if not even even more articulate than what I'm sharing now. So talk a little bit about that program and and how that fits into into your fulfillment of of being. Well, I spent about 25 years working in corporate roles across a range of industries, uh, working my way up mainly through the discipline of HR. And what I took away from that experience really profoundly directed my path to creating this program. And, you know, the essence of those lessons was really that I was the one responsible by and large for picking the programs or designing the leadership development, high performance programs that our executives and our team members would go through. And what I started to see is that often our way of approaching learning is intellectually. And so our intellect is absolutely the gateway for us, but there's so much more. It's sort of like If you and I were to talk about whiskey, but never drink it, what a shame that would be. And emotional intelligence is no different. And so I saw a real need and an opportunity in the market to take this concept and the theory of EI and and really the thought leader's life's work like Dan, Daniel Goleman. Um, I worked for four years with Dr. Richie Davidson as well, who's a neuroscientist. And I thought, well, how do we apply these beautiful teachings really and these insights in our day-to-day lives? And so it, it was really from that motivation that I thought, let's let's create something. And so initially I got reconnected with Dan. Uh, through Richie. I had no idea they knew each other. They do. They know each other really well. They're very good friends. They went to school together, India together. They've written a book together. And so we invited Dan to come speak as part of really a, how do you say, like a town-wide effort in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, to bring mindfulness and kindness and compassion to the whole community. And so when he and I reconnected, his son and I reconnected also. And I had met Hanuman a long time ago in Nepal, over 20 years ago, when I was there starting a university focused on Tibetan Buddhism. And Hanuman was studying on a Buddhist studies program, the same program I went on, but he went a little later than I did. And so we've known each other for years and we came together and said, let's take Dan's life's work and make it accessible and available and agreed that coaching is really the best vehicle that we know of to learn and develop and embody this work. And so that's what we did. That's uh, that's a little bit the background anyway. 
it is absolutely appropriate to think of emotional intelligence as being a vehicle for coaching. And one of the things that you said very early on in the, in the program was that you wanted this to be an overlay to whatever your normal coaching practice is. You weren't trying to change anyone's coaching practice, but just give a little extra something that you could overlay, that you could use. And that's how I have been using it. It just comes so naturally and constantly in my mind. And I want to share, you know, one of the one of the projects that we had to do uh, is we had to take uh, one of your brainchilds. It was brilliant. You you came up with this idea of the twelve self discoveries, and uh, I'll tell you, this whole idea of self discovery is a great tool when when as a coach I'm applying it to someone else. But when I had to turn this inward, oh my gosh, you know, I uncovered some things that. I never admitted were were issues. So tell me a little bit about how you came up with this idea for 12 self-discoveries. Right. So when I was coaching people within the corporate space for 20 some odd years, and all levels, all different industries, I started to see some patterns that were emerging. And these patterns were areas where clients would get stuck. And they usually had to do with what I'll term habits of mind. That is how we habitually process and react to and make sense of our own perceptions and our emotions. And so I started to jot them down. And pretty soon I realized that there were these 12 areas where people commonly got stuck, but if they could, with the help of a coach, developing their own capacity for awareness, start to understand these habits of mind and how they were operating beneath the surface of what they were consciously aware of, that they could then utilize these same obstacles as allies and use them to their advantage by shifting what they had most direct influence over in their lives. And so this became a natural go-to relative to the coaching process and program because really, while they weren't created as a vehicle uh, related to EI, that's exactly what they are. They are a way to operationalize what we have influence over in ourselves mm -hmm. at a fundamental level. And just a brilliant and easy, I'm going to just tell you, it's just really easy to incorporate that into a coaching session. And just the idea of it being a self-discovery, I have found really adds the power because I can make any kind of assessment, but when the client makes the assessment, when they realize for themselves, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been telling myself, I've been trying to prove this thing to myself. Uh, and looking for evidence of this thing <laughs> all by myself, it just makes it more powerful. One of the one of the activities that you had us do, and this is really what cemented a lot of the twelve self discoveries uh, for me personally, is you had us take the twelve self discoveries and then translate them into something that mean you know that matters to you and. 
my listeners know that I'm a big fan of quotes. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's almost annoying and obnoxious. I'm a big fan of quotes. So I took each of those 12 self-discoveries and translated them to quotes that meant something to me. And now every time I quote those quotes, I'm thinking of a of one of those self-discoveries. So one that you have is senses plus perception equal experience. And that makes so much sense. But for me, I hear Miles Davis saying, sometimes we have to play a long time to learn how to play like ourselves. And, you know, another one is, you said mantras, metaphors, and maps. And obviously I use those as in my coaching practice, but I keep hearing Muhammad Ali saying, I told myself I was the greatest even before I knew I was. And the last one that, that comes to mind is, and I love the self-discovery that you came up with. It says, happiness is a state of mind. And I keep hearing Satguru when he said, nothing has meaning until I assign meaning to it. Then why would I ever assign a negative meaning to anything? So just the brilliance of not only the 12 self-discoveries, but just how you approached trying to embed these principles in the mind and the, and the process uh, and the life of your coaches. Tell me a little bit more about your approach and, and why that seemed to be the right uh, approach to making this a reality. Sure. And by the way, I love all of those quotes, but particularly the last one because it captures the very essence of perception itself and what it is we have agency over mm -hmm. at a most immediate level. You know, and so I, I used to get asked the question a lot by the program participants or the meta coaches going through the various cohorts, what's the science behind the 12 self-discoveries? Mm -hmm. And I used to have to answer, I don't know, because I didn't create them with that in mind. I, I observed the behavior of those I was coaching and saw patterns and started to work with those patterns and investigate. And ultimately, it led me on, you know, this inquiry into what is it that we each have influence over within ourselves intrinsically, irrespective of context. I wanted to know, is there something like that, that we each possess, that we could tap into, that we could familiarize ourselves with, and through practice, connect with the own, our own secure base of our own mind? And so ultimately, you know, how these 12 self-discoveries get threaded into the coaching process is, as you know, through a journal-based coaching approach. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel super strongly about that component of coaching that we introduce because it allows the client to not only practice self-reflection and introspection, but it gives both coach and client more data than they would normally have by just talking to each other with some cadence. And it allows both coach and client to start to see what are those repetitive patterns that come out in the journals by way of potential obstacles or allies, things that are working, things that aren't. 
and, and concepts and words are so powerful, it turns out, you know, and they point to clues. They're like breadcrumbs that lead us back to the essence of who we are. Mm. And so that ends up being a really important part of the program because my belief is that a really great coach will ignite the inner coach of their client mm. such that at the end of that journey, the client has really the wherewithal, the confidence to tap into that inner wisdom that we all have, that element that I was mentioning that we have capacity to maneuver within ourselves to the benefit of ourselves and others. Mm. Ah. So that really is kind of the purpose of the 12 self-discoveries. And, you know, since you and I spoke and since our last cohort, I had an opportunity to write a book about the 12 self-discoveries and connect those dots around, well, what is the scientific basis? And so I dug deep in the book and pull out all of the best sort of thinking and understanding that we under that we now know about perception and emotion. So I yeah, tried my best anyway. The name of your book is Beyond EI. And I, I love the thought that that conjures in my mind because my, you know, any great title should make you wonder just a little bit. And when I, when I heard that, I thought, what the world is beyond EI? I mean, you know, EI just has got me rocked right now. You know, just getting my arms around just emotional intelligence is enough. And she's talking about beyond EI. So I want to ask you about that. I've had a couple of opportunities to speak uh, about emotional intelligence in my experience and, and just the little bit that I know. And and I usually, uh, it's no surprise, I, I usually sum up my understanding and appreciation for EI with, with a quote. And that quote comes from Mike Tyson. Many of my clients uh, are probably waiting for this. I love that he said, it's hard to get knocked out by a punch that you can see coming. And so the way that I've always explained emotional intelligence is it's helping you identify the punch that typically that typically gets you. It's not going to stop the punch from coming, but you can see it. You know, I can see it starting to envelop. I can I can identify the scenario. I can I know the kinds of personalities that typically that typically knock me out and I've got just a couple extra seconds to identify how I want to respond and how I want to show up. So that's my limited understanding of EI. I want to understand what's beyond. <laughs> well, there, there's, you know, quite a story behind the title. Um, you know, originally the book was titled something else. <laughs> it was titled Emotionally Intelligent Habits. And then it had the same tagline, a guide to accessing your full potential. Now, the funny thing is, you know, it is the only thing in the book I didn't choose. And at the very last minute, the truly the 11th hour, I raised my hand. I said, hey, do you think we could change the title? And the reason I did that is because I see emotional intelligence as a baseline tool. It is something that consists of many things, by the way. It's it's not a, 
a singular act or tool or behavior. It's many things done well and right. That said, what I realized after having written the book and done all of this research on the neuroscience and cognitive behavioral science, et cetera, is that emotions are ultimately um, a sensory-based perception. And we need to not only deal skillfully with our emotions, we need to learn how to deal skillfully with all of our perceptions. And it turns out that is a very complex yet doable thing. And so it was really the the latest neuroscience research, um, mostly inspired, by the way, by Lisa Feldman Barrett's work, uh, How Emotions Are Made, and then she wrote uh, a more recent book, which I've not read yet. But what I realized is that in order to try to answer that question of what we have influence over, I needed to dig deep into what we do understand about perception itself. And so it's not that emotional intelligence isn't important. It is. It's baseline. But it's sort of saying it's been around 25 years. I think we're okay to embed it and talk about it within a bigger framework. And so that really is the intention and why Beyond Emotional Intelligence you know, came about. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.